When most of us are thinking about gastric emptying problems and diabetes, I think most of us think about delayed gastric emptying, and we don't think too much about rapid gastric emptying, which is not only associated with similar symptoms of delayed gastric emptying, but is also very prevalent. And too many people these days, we just are judgmental and make our judgments too hastily. And how do I know this? I can just tell that by looking at people. I think it's fair to say that none of us thinks our clinical judgment is that great when we see diabetics with upper abdominal symptoms. And in particular, when it comes to whether they have rapid or delayed gastric emptying. And actually, if you're a betting person, bet on them having normal gastric emptying. Not that I think we should bet on people's diagnoses, though I'll bet you 50 bucks I have a gambling problem. But if you're looking at diabetics with upper abdominal symptoms, about 25% roughly have delayed diabetic gastroparesis, about 50% have normal gastric emptying, and then roughly about 25% have rapid gastric emptying. So we probably don't think about rapid gastric emptying too much in diabetes, but it's at least as big of a problem as delayed gastric emptying, or what we consider diabetic gastroparesis. And for those wisely going through life with the trust but verify mindset, those numbers come from a table in the New England Journal of Medicine on May 6, 2021, on page 1746. Specifically from a review article titled Gastric Emptying Abnormalities in Diabetes Mellitus. So done by Dr. Raj Goyle, and I thought done very well. And what I particularly loved is that it spent as much time on rapid gastric emptying as it does on diabetic gastroparesis. A lot of our assumptions when it comes to gastric emptying and diabetes are just wrong. Now, first of all, let's just take delayed gastric emptying. Is that always bad in diabetes? And actually, it's really not for a lot of people. Not only is it not bad, it's natural and a good thing that our bodies have a negative feedback loop. So think about this. Do you want to suddenly have huge spikes in your blood sugar if you're eating a high carbohydrate or high glucose meal? And the answer, of course, is that you don't want your body to have these huge postprandial hyperglycemia spikes. And so if your body's working well, functioning the way that it should, gastric contraction should be inhibited and we should want our bodies to slow gastric emptying to decrease the acute hyperglycemia. Of course, that's not always a good thing. So in diabetic gastroparesis, when it is pathological, your pyloric and duodenal relaxation is impaired. And even though the smooth muscle usually looks normal, there's impairment of contractility. Now, in very advanced cases of diabetic gastroparesis, you can see things like smooth muscle degeneration, fibrosis, eosinophilic inclusion bodies. But when it comes to most people with diabetic gastroparesis, the smooth muscle appears morphologically normal. And in those cases, what most medical providers try to do is give these gastric prokinetic agents, meaning we're trying to increase the contractions and therefore enhance gastric emptying. 
but you don't always want to do that, particularly if you're unsure of the diagnosis, because something like postprandial hyperglycemia can be a big problem with diabetes control in type 2 diabetics in particular. Therefore, you're not doing somebody a lot of favors by causing rapid rises in glucose or rapid gastric emptying. I don't think it's often that clinicians think of transient diabetic gastroparesis as a positive thing, but it actually is for a lot of type 2 diabetics, meaning it postpones the postprandial hyperglycemic peak. I guess we think about sometimes, like particularly with glucagon-like peptide 1 or GLP-1 agonists when we prescribe them, those of you who have listened to my lecture on that, one of the... Oh, and there's my German shepherd barking, which I'm sure you all heard. Not to be confused with my uncle, who grew up herding sheep in Germany. He also was a German shepherd, and it is much more disturbing when that type of German shepherd poops on your lawn. So, what was I saying? Oh, GLP-1. So one of the things that they do, they do a lot of things, as I've said in the past, but they also inhibit gastric emptying because that is a benefit in type 2 diabetics. And as you all know, GLP-1s, at least some of them, are approved for weight loss even in non-diabetics. And again, multiple mechanisms, but that's one of them. And again, this is not to argue that delayed gastric emptying is always a positive thing. It can be pathological. Just a lot of type 2 diabetics, it can be beneficial. Unfortunately, type 1 diabetics have a higher prevalence of delayed gastric emptying, whether they're symptomatic or not it does cause a lot of problems in type 1 diabetics. So let's say you're a type 1 diabetic who has this motor abnormality where you have very significant delayed gastric emptying. Even if you don't have GI symptoms, the real problem that can occur is when we are using insulin. And while we use insulin in type 2 diabetes, for some patients, all type 1 diabetics use insulin. So the big problem that can happen is you eat a meal and what you want to do is counteract the hyperglycemia from that meal with insulin but if you're having a major issue where all of a sudden or frequently you're not having gastric emptying into the rest of the GI system you can run into major hypoglycemia problems postprandial hypoglycemia and among the huge problems with diabetic gastroparesis when it is pathological is that it usually occurs with both liquids and digestible solids. So early in the course of delayed gastric emptying problems, it may be indigestible solids, you know, fibers and things like that, that people notice as causing symptoms. But late in the course of diabetic gastroparesis when it is pathological, it can even be something like a milkshake where you're having very significant impaired gastric emptying. And you can see how if someone drinks something like a milkshake and gives themselves a ton of insulin to try and counteract the carbohydrates and sugars, how you could run into major postprandial hypoglycemic events. And as you can see, this can get really complicated. So if you look at a 2017 study of gastroenterology, November 17th, there was a study looking at relamarillin in diabetics. So this was specifically in type 1 diabetics with symptoms of gastroparesis. As many of you know, gastroparesis is extremely hard to treat, particularly as we always seem to take away the options because this 
prokinetic agent, had QTC prolongation or whatever. So this drug is a prokinetic agonist of ghrelin and therefore a novel approach for those of you who are not into the neuroendocrine world of hunger. Ghrelin is often considered the hunger hormone, meaning that it's released by the gastrointestinal tract and ghrelin levels are very high before meals and is thought to make you hungry. And then when you eat, the levels of ghrelin go down. And so what was cool in this phase two trial is that relamorelin, and I may be pronouncing that right or wrong, which is an agonist of ghrelin is prokinetic and seemed to help a lot of people with diabetic gastroparesis symptoms, which is terrific. It's great to see more options. But actually, the reason I'm telling you about this study is because, as I said, things can get complicated. So in about 15% of these patients, you had to adjust the insulin, meaning if you're suddenly having effectiveness where gastric emptying is improved, for some of these patients, you're going to have to increase the postprandial insulin dose to have better blood glucose control to improve the control of their hyperglycemia. Unlike a relationship status on social media, when people put things like, it's complicated, what they really should just put is about to be single. Whereas gastric emptying problems in diabetes truly are very complicated. So I think I'll end it there today. But I'll probably come back soon with a part two, as this is a really interesting topic, a very hard to understand topic. And if we're honest, I don't care who you are, even if you're a specialist in GI, when you see someone walk in who has significant gastric emptying problems, you know it's not going to be an easy case. So until next time, this is Dr. Gil Parat. I will catch you on the next round.